0: If you've got your Bible, I've got a... Yeah, there we go. So, it was uh, a January morning in, uh, I think it was probably early 96. That was 1996. And I had arrived at church with um, my three children, 9, 7, and 4, And it was 8.15 in the morning and, you know, I was kind of going checking my zipper to make sure it was up. And sat there and it was a cold January, crisp morning. And our new pastor, Sandy Wilson, rose up to the pulpit and he preached a sermon on that that, uh, verse behind me. And I was sitting there absorbed in my own life. And it was as if I was the only person in that sanctuary that morning. And I was sitting there and, you know, I was thinking about my success and kind of being a really big-time guy in town. And, and it was sort of like God said, uh, hello? And I said, yes, sir, I don't want to hear this. I'm busy, and I'm a big success, and uh, I got my stuff, and it's way too much for me to have time to... And God spoke to my heart deeply in that scripture. And if you read it, and I hope you take the time to read it, there's a couple of things that, that that you need to think about as you read the scripture, and it's this. This was written to the exiles in Babylon from the prophet Jeremiah and there was another prophet named Hananiah who is saying don't get involved in Babylon you know get out there don't get engaged in Babylon you're going back to Jerusalem and Jeremiah comes in and says Hananiah doesn't know what he's talking about and 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 he proceeded to tell him in verse 5 of Jeremiah 29, he told these people who were listening to this one prophet, saying, don't be engaged in that evil, awful place. You're going back to, the, to Jerusalem, to these exiles. And Jeremiah comes in and says, he's a false prophet. And this is what he writes, and I hope you'll take the time to read this. But in chapter 29, verse 5, he, he says... to the the exiles in this foreign place who really want to be somewhere else and they don't like their environment. This is what he writes. He says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And I'm telling you when I heard that I was going, whoa, wait a minute I don't want to hear this. But notice the order of this. And I can say, oh, I pray for the city. I'm praying, oh, Lord, I'm praying for Memphis. But look at the order. It says, seek and pray. Well, the message to me on that morning, and as I filtered this through and thought about it over the months ahead, was it really was get up off your rear end. Seek it and pray as you go. And that was really a watershed moment for me. There are some other things where I really began to think about the city and about what it meant to be here. And so the question that I would ask us as a collective group is: does God care about Memphis? Does He care? Is there a biblical basis for our city? Is um uh, is there a practical basis? Why the city? And that would lead me to to think about my children, my grandchildren, which, by the way, I just had a third one last Friday. Um, somebody told me recently; they said the only thing underrated in life is being a grandparent, and it, it is. It's just not overrated to be a grandparent. I mean, it's unbelievable. The 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 we're number three. And it's just amazing. And I, you hear people say that, and you go, oh, they don't know what to talk about until it happens. And you go, hey, man, that's pretty cool. So as I think about this city, I, I think about where we are as a community. And, and I would encourage you to, to think with me as we go through this. I was asked recently by the, by the you can give me a, another slide, Whoever's, am I doing it? I've watched uh, I've watched uh, Dave Bowen do this, and I'm trying to take some lessons from him on Sunday morning. So I was asked by the Board of Realtors recently to come talk to residential realtors. And this what you're seeing is not the Bible verses, but but the content of this is what I presented to them. And this is the the content of the message. start selling. and and I, I, I really felt like this was, A part of seeking the welfare of this community is if you think about this community and how we talk among ourselves, we we sort of start out with, well, yeah, there's some but. And you go to, uh, how many, anybody from Texas in here? Raise your hand if you're from Texas. Just two? What happens in Texas when you say something negative about Texas? What happens? They correct you. Now, they got the same kind of problems we got in Houston and Dallas, but I'm telling you, they sell Texas all the time. And there might be a little correlation between, well, they do have oil, but I'm telling you, you can't get a Texan to talk ugly about Texas. My wife's a Texan, and I've lived with this for over 30 years. Am I telling the truth? Amen. So my, my presentation to this group of residential realtors, and I, I spent time talking to them about they are the tip of the spear. In other words, they're greeting people in a very important way when they come into town. And I told them, he said, you've got to be the people who are, know the facts and are selling. And it's in your self, enlightened self-interest to sell. And it's in your interest to do the same thing. But I'm gonna I want to hopefully give you some content why that is important. So another verse that came along in in my life is Acts 17, 26 and 27. I only have 26 up there, but that verse says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having, and this is the important thing personally for me, having allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. If you read that in the King James, it it says the boundaries of their habitation and the exact time and place. And then if you read 27, it says, so that they may know God. Now, that says to me that God has put Larry Jensen in Memphis, Tennessee... For this exact time. And so then the question is so that I may know God. Well, we could huddle in here and we could spend all of our time in our little Christian circles and oh, how's you're going, getting to know God going? Oh, that's great. And we could wholly huddle up, and that'd be just fine, except we'd be disobedient, because he Jesus calls us salt and light salt does no good in a shaker and a light under a bushel doesn't give any light it's a light and it's salt but salts meant to be put out across and so I God working in my heart I really believe that he called me to this city he said, This is where I put you, and this is the exact time, and I got a plan. Will you follow me? Well, Lord, I'm busy. You know, I just don't know if I got time. I was talking to one of our fellow brothers a number of years ago, and we were talking about this, and I was talking about you know, our engagement in the community as a Christian and so on and so on. And he said, Yeah, that's good, but man, if I did that, I couldn't play golf three times a week. I looked at him it was just everything I could do I, I thought and afterwards I thought you know if Jesus comes back I'm not sure it's going to be great if all I had time was to be on the 18th green I don't play golf thankfully but there are other things I'm interested in and it means that if you're going to serve Jesus that has to become a priority and then you have to ask yourself the question what's my what am I to do in this community What's my role? And I think one of the things that we can do is as believers and followers of Jesus, and that's who I'm talking to, if you're not a follower of Jesus and don't know it, then, you know, it's the most wonderful relationship that you can imagine. To have the living God on the inside of you, it's just beyond my comprehension what goes on in my heart and life because I follow Jesus. Just the forgiveness, the mercy, and also just the companionship near as your mouth and as close as your heart just to walk in that daily it's uh, and that has progressed and grown so here here's an example of what we did and and again I hope you probably can't read up here but at the bottom that's FC3 that's our company our internal guidance system and we've developed this and uh, it says that we believe that uh, that our daily priorities revolve around Family. In other words, we don't go around. Oh, we're family. But I want my people to know that their family is important. That we we pay way too much for benefits. We give too much. But that's the way I think we ought to be doing it. As a as a as a believer leading an organization is to be to really engage and say, if you need to go to a soccer game with your kid, go to the soccer game. Give me your time. Don't cheat me. But I want you to know that you that's important The second one is that we have co-workers that we honor and respect and we if we got a problem internally we're gonna deal with it Matthew 18 I don't go around where we're gonna do this Matthew 18 in the company but it's if you got a conflict let's get together and see if we can work it out it's a principle to live by the third one is, is our uh, clients that's what we that's why we exist to serve our clients and then finally the community and that has two parts. The community is that we, we give 10% of our bottom line to, to things in the community that our people are engaged in. It just, you know, I tell you this not because I want to say, aren't we great, because what I want to say is this reality of Jesus living out in an organization can be very, very real. And the second part of the community is we actually formed a part of our business called Community Advisors, and this really follows St. Jude and Methodists who've said we're going to provide our services to people irrespective of whether they can pay or not. And we put together a part of our organization to provide real estate services in the underserved part of our community at the same quality and level that we do out at Poplar and I-240. We're going to do at Riverview in Kansas. And that's and that's a commitment that we're making to our community. That's the hands and feet of Jesus. I had a number of years ago when I was chairman of the chamber, I had an African-American lady on the staff. She said, can I visit with you? So we had lunch. And this is what she said to me. She said, the only time we hear from you guys, talking about the Christians, is when, we, when you got something to cl- complain about morally. You come down and you complain about this or that or whatever, and we don't, we don't see you in the day-to-day grind of the city. And she said to me, why don't y'all roll your sleeves up, come down here and be a part of what we're doing? Because we as Christians stand back and we well, that's wrong and that's wrong and you should be doing it this way. And the question is, what are we doing in this community? Everything from mentoring a kid to leading organizations is salt and light in this community. Are we seeking the welfare? That word welfare there is shalom, the peace, the, the common weal. That's what the word commonwealth comes from, commonweal, the common good. Are we seeking it? first and praying as we go that's the question that I had to wrestle with and I think that we need to execute these principles we don't need to have our Christian life over here in a drawer on Sunday it needs to go across the entirety of our life and become part of who we are and uh, you know oh well he's uh, this and that but it's am I following Jesus into the day-to-day of this community does, does God care about this community? If I read Jeremiah, it seems like He does. And if I follow what I read in Acts 17, He said, you've been put here for this time in this place so that you can know God. And if I say, we're not just going to huddle up in our little Christian huddles and, oh, isn't Jesus great? We need holy huddles. But the church, according to what I read in the Scripture, is a place for the saints to become, to be equipped for the work of the gospel in the world that you're going to go to and be engaged in. And for me, it was a mandate, personally a mandate, to say what are you going to do about the city? And part of the problem in Memphis is, in my view, is the Christians speak the way they should not speak. They complain, they They point out all the problems, oh yes, oh this, and whine, and moan, and all that, and that's not what I think we ought to be doing. Now, does that mean we ignore the problems? Of course not. It means you engage in them. So let me just show you, uh, so this is interesting, and again, I'm talking to the residential realtors, and so I point out to them some of the things that Memphis is. Number one sports franchise Second most generous city in America, according to the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Did you know that? Oh, I don't know about that. Well, actually, I can make a case that we're the number one. Because the number one city is Salt Lake City. And if you know anything about Mormonism, 10% is mandatory. And in fact, a friend of mine who lived out there said they had a block captain that would come and say, I need your uh, 10... You're 1040? I need to see if you're 10%. So I can make a case that in a fat, dumb, stupid city, oh, we're so we're fat, we're this, we're that. Quit reading the commercial appeal. Quit watching the six o'clock news. We're the, this is the most generous city in America. We were just talking about Richard and I were, talk, Lynch were talking about it. Why? It's the believers in this community who are writing checks. They're not just writing checks. You, you're out there engaged in the day-to-day, the time, talent, resources to address what's going on in this community. It's amazing. I had a group of business leaders from Dallas here a few years ago, and we spent, they spent two or three days riding around and seeing all this. They were in my dining room at my house for lunch, and they, this is what they said. This is astonishing what's going on in this city. And we're so myopic that we don't really realize this is the, the, the place in America that's being watched urban education reform. It's the epicenter of urban education reform, truly. Now, are we there? No. Are we headed there? Yes. Is it a place? That has, see, the problem in Memphis is you, if you're in Dallas or Atlanta, you can live in Northwest or Northeast, and you never know what's going on in the, in the southeast or the southwest parts of those towns. You can't drive down Poplar without realizing there are challenges in this community. But that's that's why, is that why God put us here? Can we be that city on a hill in America that people go, they really have addressed. I have a friend that's a St. Louis leader in St. Louis, and he was in a meeting here about a year ago, and he talked about Ferguson. And he, this is what he said. He said, we have ignored this, and that's why Ferguson happened. We pretended that there wasn't a problem. We've been dealing with this since 1991 when Dr. Harrington was elected, and leadership in the community went from top down to bottom up. And if you don't understand how things are done, grassroots up, then you don't understand where America is headed. In 2042, this country will be a minority-majority country. I think by 2025, every major city, with the exception perhaps of Salt Lake City and Boise, Idaho, will be a majority-minority city. And that the way leadership and things are done in the community changes radically. And it's got to be grassroots up. It's inclusive. You gotta, it's like I, I, I liken it to making sausage. You know, when I was, and Jimmy Lack and I were growing up, there was Big Five, you know, Fred and Pitt and Ron and, and uh, Billy. Big Five. And they sort of said, here's what's going to happen in the community. And when in 91 that flipped over, that, it, it, it didn't, wasn't going to work anymore. And if you look at the things that have happened, the NBA now, the Grizzlies are a product of grassroots up. I could tell you the story, but you got 30 minutes, I was involved in it. Same thing with Shelby Farms. The old guard went out there and said, we want to take over Shelby Farms, they got a 7-6 no vote. We went around, we took about two and a half, three years, and we went to all the stakeholders, and we got a 13-0 vote to take 4,500-acre park, put it into a land trust for 50 years, give it to a not-for-profit to manage, and we just, we're in the middle of a $70 million capital improvement in a fat, dumb city that doesn't have any money. With an asset for the community that when you go out there on Saturday, it looks like the United Nations. That's a success story. But we don't talk about our successes. We're so mired down in all our stuff that we forget this list up here. Here's another one. This was in USA Today last week. Memphis Pyramid brings Bass Pro Shops new lodging to, would you say it with me, Booming City. (laughs) I don't believe that. I don't know a way. USA Today said it. If they said it, if I'm from Texas, I'm going, yeah, that's it. Or how about our friends up the street in Nashville? They take, uh, this is an aside, I'm going to pick on Nashville a little bit, but I want you to to get the context of this. They had a hunting video about hunting waterfowling for water cranes because they don't have any ducks, but they needed a hunting video. And I was like, I watched this thing and I went, like, what in the Water cranes? Water turkeys? you got to be kidding me. That's sport? Here's the big problem. If I tell you something positive, there's a whole crowd that goes, yeah, but. And so what you're doing by the yeah buts, is you're creating a um, headwind, uh, which uh, against which the rest of us who are not yell butters are having to deal with. So stop. Hello, come on. Stop the yell butts. Remove yell butt from your language. I'm talking to the realtors. Okay. I'm asking you to, to take a pledge to stop the yell-butts. Yeah when you hear yourself say it, remember you're called to the city, you're to seek its welfare, and yell yeah ain't seeking the welfare. I'm mainly talking to the people under 40 here, because you old dudes, you, you just can't get past it. So, young, y- y'all hear me, aren't you? Are you with me? Amen. Say Amen. Amen. Amen okay so here's a here's a question for the old guys what happened to that brand what happened they didn't they didn't adjust to the to the future and so when they didn't adjust it created it created opportunity and I'm not flipping here hello there we go. Created opportunity. When I was a kid, we got the Sears catalog, and it was like getting, I mean, it was unbelievable to get the thing. Woo, look at all this stuff in here. And the point is, is that that Sears stopped listening and they stopped selling, and there was a void, and into that void came Walmart, and and they refused to change. They refuse to adapt. They refuse to grow and to address the challenges. It's our duty, I believe, to seek the welfare of our community where you've been placed for this purpose and this time to be enlightened about what's going on. Not to settle for your news or your facts from the commercial appeal. To get up off your rear end and go find out what's going on. How many of you knew this was... The second most generous city in America. Three or four, five. We all all know that. We need, to, we need the facts about the community in order that we can be ambassadors. Here's what we sell. You can't see that very well, but the D in the middle is the 240 loop, and there's a circle out here about 80 miles. That's Memphis. That's the other thing. Are y'all with me? Quit talking about Memphis as a political jurisdiction. It's an economic market that covers an 80-mile circle, and there are 2.5 million people that live in that circle. And when we pick up somebody that's coming to look at our region, to put jobs in here, that's what they're looking at. And they don't understand it when you go, oh, Memphis is this. I can't tell you how many times I've had senior executives ask me this question. What is wrong with the locals? I can't tell you how many times. And I'm tired of explaining it. This is an economic market, and and economic markets ignore political jurisdictions. I'll give you two examples. What's the population of the city of Atlanta? Somebody tell me where I am on time. 450,000 people. Here, you get that. The city of Atlanta, and you ask some people, oh, 6 million people. No, 450,000 people. City of St. Louis. No, you're wrong, give me that back. I'm just kidding. City of St. Louis. You're close. 250,000. Nashville. Huh? S- somebody. Uh, who? Who said that? Huh? okay here's the point Atlanta the economic market is six million people st. Louis the economic market two-and-a-half million Nashville the economic market 1.8 million in eight counties and we can't get over the fact that we got a border called Mississippi and we go "Oh, Mississippi they're stealing our stuff Not stealing our stuff that's part of our market it's like saying Somebody in Davidson County moves to to Brentwood and they go, oh, Davidson County lost it. They don't think that way. We've got to grow up in our thinking. And you, as leaders, have got to challenge the thinking. That's what we sell, the economic market. About two or three years ago, I found this book and it it was this guy, Jim Clifton, who is the uh, chairman of the Gallup organization. You ought to read this book. It's worth reading. He says essentially that every... There are 100 people in 100 communities that are going to decide whether we as a country are globally competitive, and it's not the politicians, the city councilmen. If you're looking for that kind of leadership, it won't work. You have to create the parade and then ask the politicians to lead it. Okay? So if we're looking for the solutions to come out of the mayor's office or the council or the governor, stop. Step up in, engage, lead in whatever place you've been given, and, and you'll create a parade, and I promise you, you can get people on board. It'll work. So, here's what came out of that my study of that. We've got some assets here. This is one of the most amazing transportation nodes in the world. Memphis is a global port. How many of you knew that? Global port. Global. I say global. And not just because of FedEx. We got five class one railroads that come in here. Nashville has one. Atlanta has one. You have a port that's open year-round as opposed to Chicago that's frozen for about 120 days out of the year. And we, do, we don't have a strategy around those things. We have a water resource. Pull up your water. There's, if you take the water that's beneath us and you put it up on the top of Shelby County, it goes almost to the top of Clark Tower. In that drought a few years ago, where Atlanta got within 90 days of not having water for six million people? Where? <laughs> Our aquifer went down four inches. Amazing water supply, deep manufacturing opportunities, just incredible asset, and there's not a strategy around it. Okay? So, my point in telling you this is that. And this is what I told the realtors. I said, look, this is in your interest to do this, and here's why. If you create jobs, right, you create employment, and that means you're going to sell houses. And, you know, they kind of went, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you're right. It's in our enlightened self-interest. As Christians, it's our duty to follow Jesus and to be engaged in this community, and we, we sell this community. Here's the things that you have to sell. At least some of them, this isn't all of them, but it's worth looking at. These are the things people, I've been all over the world, as Lon mentioned, and the first thing they go, they know about our barbecue and they know about our Elvis. And we need to be able to say, and yeah, and okay, here's the other things, like just a fantastic water supply and so on and so on. So here's kind of, now I'm going to pick on Nashville real quick. i got about two or three minutes. So where do you think those headlines came from? Huh? From the commercial appeal, you'd be dead wrong. Anybody else? Huh? Can you pass that back to him? Now, notice those things up there. And I'd encourage you to go look at the Tennessee, and I did it yesterday morning just to see. And everybody says, oh, it's perfect up there, they don't have problems. They sell around their problems. I promise you they do. They're coming down here asking us, how are y'all dealing with your education reform? I'll give you a, just a little bit more. And I'm not doing this to pick on Nashville. I'm doing this to set the context of, of uh, Memphis. You can't read that very well. Person, This is uh, Davidson County. Persons below the poverty line, 18.5%. Median household income, 47%. Per capita income, 28 Please notice the retail sales and the, um, the manufacturer's shipping. And then if you compare Shelby County to that, you can see it's very close. And what's interesting, there's one up there, public high schools with an ACT of greater than 21. That means they're college ready, okay, theoretically. We have, there are 21... 20 high schools in Davidson County, we have 40. Our population is 950 in Shelby County, there's a 650. And there are two that have a greater than 21 in Davidson County, and four of 40. I, isn't that the same percentage? They haven't solved the problem in Nashville. And what's interesting, if you look at the retail sales, Shelby County 11. Oh, Nashville being there, they're blowing away. How about uh, manufacturer shipments? Almost two and a half times. I'm getting waved at because my time's running out. Okay, so I'm going to finish real quick. Here's another one. They call themselves Music City. (laughs) Hello? 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 Are you with me? Now there's another interesting little fact. In the Bible mentions uh, the Bible mentions Memphis eight times. Nashville's not even mentioned. <laughs> Good stuff, isn't it? Am I finished? Oh. Here's the housing shifts, and this again, I'm talking to the realtors, you see that. I think there's a massive shift going on uh, in our world, and I think one of the tragedies and one of the places of huge ministry opportunity in this community, I think, is that 50% of all children in America are being born to single parents, primarily single moms. That is a national crisis. It's not just Memphis. It's all over this country. 50% of all children are coming to us. And the correlation between poverty, crime, et cetera, et cetera, is astonishing. And something that, as believers, we ought to be in there with our, which we are. We're very engaged in that. But mentoring one kid might keep them out of jail. One kid. Let me give you some facts real quick. County Jail, we spend $450 million a year on criminal justice in this community. 95% of the inmates are African-American. 95% of them do not have a high school education. 70% of them have some kind of learning disability. And it's either offer them a surrogate family which is ma'am, streets, so on and so on, YMCA, Boy Scouts, etc. or the surrogate family of a gang. Tony Armstrong, who's our police a director said that if we could get rid, if we could put the 17 to 24 year olds on an island for about seven years, we wouldn't have a crime problem. That's the director of police. So that means you and I need to be engaged in Boy Scouts. One of the big problems in scouting right now is leaders for the inner city. Gib Vessel sitting back there. You need any volunteers, Gib? Absolutely. We can make a difference. We're already making a difference in this community. And so I just encourage you to, I hope this works. David, if it doesn't work, it's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Does that got sound or? Uh, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Well, you stole the last thought. Can Can that work? No, anyway, that's Drew Holcomb, and Drew's a product of this city, uh, Hamp and Nancy's son. And uh, Drew was in my office, and he said he said, "Look, I'm in Nashville because I'm in the music business. It's got to be here. Hey, there it is. Can you turn it up?: It's a story about a city on the bluff of a great and mighty river, with centuries of wild characters coming and going, weaving a distinctively southern narrative. It's the narrative of Martin Luther King Jr., Johnny Cash, Elvis, Stax, and Sun records. It's where artists blended the blues of the Delta with the country and folk music coming down from the mountains and hills to the east, and these two exploded into rock and roll. It's a city that does not imitate. Memphis taught me to sing and to tell a good story. Memphis taught me to laugh, to mourn, and to dance. Growing up here, I learned that geography matters. Where you come from is not just a name or a place on the map. It's a people, a culture, a family. To know me, you must know Memphis. So here's the, uh, the closure. Start uh, selling. How many of you know the motto of Austin. Anybody know it? Keep Austin weird. Do you have any shirts with uh, collars? Keep Austin weird. Now, what you don't know the music business in Austin was non existent. And they went and recruited Willie Nelson to come, and they built an industry in a non existent music city. We don't have to work to be weird. Funky, edgy, authentic, and we, we whine and moan about it when it's an asset. Let's celebrate that we're funky and weird and crazy and so on and so on. So I'm just gonna ask you, I've got, I have um, if you want to join my club, I have a club, and you can give me a hundred bucks, that'd be fine. <laughs> this, oops. That's my button that says, Memphis, stop whining. So I've got plenty up here if you want one just to put on somewhere where you'll be reminded to stop whining, to be salt and light in this community, to follow Jesus, to seek the welfare of this community, to pray for it, to be engaged, to take one kid. You don't know the difference you might make in one boy's life by mentoring somebody. You don't know. Y'all know Jim, what time is it? <laughs> Amen. Y'all know Jim Cruz? You know who Jim Cruz is? You know Jim, he's, I don't, I don't know how old he is, probably 80, maybe a little bit more. Y'all know what Jim did? Huh? So at least that old, right? So Jim decides he's going to go down to, is it Mitchell High School? Manassas. Manassas. He's going to go down to Manassas. This is an 80-year-old man. I'm too old to do anything. I'm in retirement. Show me the word retirement in the Scripture, and we can talk about it. So Jim decides to go down to Manassas High School and and form a trap shooting team. Hello, did I get that right? (laughs) And it's enlivened him as a person. And he's engaged with these teenagers, African-American teenagers, with guns. (laughs) And so Jim pulls up out of Memphis shooting clay wherever with a truckload of African-American boys from the inner city. And they go out there and they got a trap team. Don't tell me you can't do something. I admire that man. I, I just Every time I see him, I'm, I'm encouraged by somebody who just had a little heart. One to follow Jesus. One to love some kids. Is it going to make a difference in the trajectory of the city? I don't know, but the additive part of this, of our time, talent, and resources, loving people on behalf of Jesus in this community, stopping the whining, no more yell-butts, We have an opportunity I think to make a great difference there's a there's a quote that uh, GK Chesterton if you if you don't know about him you should he was a uh, uh, 20th century early 20th century uh, Englishman who was also a writer and I'm looking for my quote here somewhere he said um, that men did not love Rome because she was great Rome was great because They loved her. Memphis, men did not love Memphis because she was great. Memphis will be great because men loved her. What would God have us do in this community? I'm very thankful that Sandy Wilson preached that sermon in January of 96 or whenever it was. Because God was speaking to my heart and asking me, what will you follow me in this time and this place? And, and I was reluctant, of course, but over a period of time, I began to really, God built this love and the care for this city. And I can't tell you how many times since then, I've called Sandy Wilson and said, Sandy, are you sure I need to be doing this? I mean, really, this is, I'm not out on the corner, you know, sharing the gospel. But I can also tell you that it's made a huge difference personally in my life in a sense of fulfillment, of of not just success, but also significance. That I've cared for the least, the last, the lost, the loser, the left behind, the, the, the margined. Read the Old Testament, you'll see God's heart is for the oppressed and the marginalized people. And we need to have that same heart because that's the heart of Jesus. We, we have to pray for it. This doesn't come naturally. This is something that God, Lord, have mercy on my, give me your vision for this city. What would you, Be Thou My Vision. Isn't that a great song? I just, I sing that and the words of it are, if it, it, it should be Biblical because it's just, it's just, Lord, give me a vision. for, And He's trying to get us to fullness of life, not just, oh, well, I don't really have time to serve Him. He's trying to serve you by getting us up off our rear ends and being engaged in the community, whether you're 18 or 81. It doesn't matter. But there's something He's got for you to do. How much time we get got to live? Questions? The uh, factual slide. Yeah. Question or two? Is this available, uh, What's the best website? To Get all this? Uh, you can have, call me and we'll send it to you. Uh, it's only $1,000 for a copy of it. I'm just kidding. Just i I'm happy to give it to you. Uh let's go right here. Something you may not realize about compass, it's the only place in the world where not one but two YMCAs, you know that is the acronym for young men. Yeah. Christian associations are named for Jews. Are named what? Are named for Jews. Oh, that's a good point. That's right. Yes, sir. And and I'm telling you, people are watching all over this country what we're doing here. And we don't really realize it. Back in the back. Yeah. Right. 99% of the water in Atlanta comes from rain. So they're okay right now, but if it doesn't rain, and it's they just lost a court case. Alabama and Florida sued for them to stop taking the amount of water out of Lake Lanier and the Chattahoochee. And they've got to get an agreement, now think about this, between Florida, Alabama, and Georgia on how much water they can take out. Georgia's actually been threatening to sue Tennessee over a, a, a misplaced border uh, 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 at the Nickajack Lake, and, and I've heard Governor Haslam says, come on. <laughs> they want to get into that Nickajack Lake for water for six million people. And that, that's pipeline. And, you know, anyway, it's just water, I think, is the gold of the 21st century, and we're sitting on top of a gold mine. Right. And and, and they're rolling out programs that these kids from eighteen to twenty four, I mean you've got some of the biggest foundations in the world who were in here two weeks ago yep. that are starting to get behind this. And so you got an organization out there that's treating some twenty seven thousand kids a year in thirteen different states. And and, and it's And they're coming here on the education. Uh, what we don't realize is just the impact that this city's having around the country. It's not just here, it's really the model. Now, are we there? Of course not. But we're a lot farther down the road than we really realize. Lon. Let me give you an example, Jay, stand up. Jay's at Rhodes, what year are you? Junior, rising senior or rising junior? Okay. Do you know what the percentage of the kids that go to Rhodes last year's graduating class made a individual personal decision to stay in Memphis? after they graduated. Anybody want to venture a guess? I'm out of college days. How much? 68%. Now, these are kids that are coming from Little Rock and Austin and all over the country, and they're making a conscious decision to stay here because they see what you're talking about, Lon. And I think I was going to tell you, Drew, and Drew told me, he said, look, they come to, I'm going to pick on Nashville, to get something, come to Memphis to give something. Boy, isn't that a wonderful if that's what we're known for? Hello, I like I like that. Yes, sir. <laughs> and and I'll tell you who you're talking to. Somebody above about forty five years old, because that's I don't think that's true. Uh, there's a lady here named Emily Callahan who's the chief marketing officer at ALSAC, and she's the lady. They were in Dallas, and she uh, uh, was the lady who came up with a program called Pink. You know, American Cancer Pink. This was her baby. She, they hired her to ALSAC. Her husband and uh, uh, Jason. They came. And they told me, they said, we left Dallas because we figured we could not break into the leadership class. In Memphis, we looked at it and we said, we can get in there. And I was the chairman of the chamber. I had 10 employees. I look at the, the pictures up on the wall and it's bank presidents and, see, and, and I'm like going, uh, what am I doing up there? And I'm, my point is that that there's opportunity to break into leadership here that I don't think exists in other cities now you're I'm not uh, I'm not saying you're not right but I tell you most of those kind of people that are saying that kind of stuff are are people over probably 45 I'll give you an example he's not here today and I wouldn't so I had a, a friend of mine that many of you know A few years ago we were Hunting and he said, Larry, can you tell me some good things about Memphis? Because I want my tell my kids so they'll move back to Memphis and bring my grandkids here. That was that was the whole deal. And it was everything I could do to say, you should have started selling to your children when they were little, not badmouth in Memphis, and then wondering why they don't want to come back. People, kids go to Washington. Oh, they're my kids. Oh, I'm excited. Have you looked at the crime rate in Washington? Really? Seriously? And one other thing, and I, here's the other thing about crime. Just let me give you a little insight into this. We report in the state of Tennessee under what's called NIBRS, National Incident Basic Reporting System. That means that if you report a crime, if there's a robbery and an assault and a vandalism, that's three crimes in the numbers. There are 15 states. Tennessee and Michigan are the only two that really report fully. You can go on the uh, put in NIBRS reporting, and there are 15 states use NIBRS. Only two states fully use it across the board. Everybody else uses UCR. So with those three crimes, they take whichever the worst one was, and that's all they report. So when you see this, oh, it's it's not it's apples and oranges. Because we're reporting, we're honest about it, and everywhere else is not, except for a few places. So, you read about Chicago, they don't even want to report it. So, uh, and the reason I say that is because we need to get the facts and be knowledgeable and be able to communicate with people about it. Another question, and we'll quit. I, no, I'm not, but. Uh, <laughs> your, your text. Yes. Uh, Focused on seek God and pray for our city and, and seek and pray for that city. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a list of, of what you feel like we're all praying for. We can hang out here and, and, and get that for you. Because yeah. First, for the leaders and mayor and so forth. But we have all these things to pray about. Uh, I, I really, I know I'm a part of a group of, of, of that Christ Methodist Church meets from all of the city. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be happy to do that. I, I, I'd tell you to go get engaged, and you'll know what to pray for. I mean, somewhere that it says seek the welfare to sow the seek, and then pray. I, I'm, I'm just challenging us to rethink our our approach to this. And what I would tell you is, if you, were, I mean, the children. I mean, look at Jesus' heart for children. But, I mean, we got kids born in not just us everywhere, but 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 God, how would you have us? serve these children we there are are we're and Gib can correct me on this but there are like a hundred and fifty thousand children in this community that are underserved they're at risk plus or minus minus. and best number I get is we're probably serving somewhere around 30,000 of those so what if we what if we set a goal over the next decade to take and scale up all of these organizations and say we're gonna serve a we hun- we're gonna add 10% every year until we're serving every kid in this city. What kind of mission would that do? What would it do to this city? That's a strategy. We ought to lead that strategy. We ought to pray for that strategy. Lord, give us the wisdom and the insight in how we love children that are that are on the edges right now without it they're they're just it's so hard for them to to have a chance so i'd say if i'm i'm praying for the children i'm praying for the leadership that they would have vision that they'd get beyond the the crud of the day-to-day keep in my office and their hearts would rise up on the inside of them and say we can make a difference and I'd start with a church that, that this group, would would the, the church in this community, broadly speaking, would know what God's calling us to. That they would read Jeremiah 29 and they go, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Not just one or two. I had a guy a number of years ago say, well, you're just special. This is a Christian. And it was everything I could do to keep from giving him one of these. I'm not special. I'm not. I barely got... It. Barely got out of college. Well, I woke up. Jimmy Don and I were, this Jimmy Don Lackey, we were at school together. And it, it, was, it was challenging the first couple of years. And I finally had a summer job that I figured, I want me one of them sitting down jobs, not one of them standing up jobs. So I, I would pray, you know, for, for guys like this that their hearts would rise up on the inside of them and God would call them to, to this city. I'm over my time. Yeah, but there were some guys who've got to take a pill, I'm sure. <laughs> one more question. Jimmy. He, the question was, how big is the aquifer? 100 trillion gallons of water in the first one. And there are two or three more below that. A hundred trillion. That's about, we consume, Memphis consumes between 150 and 200 million gallons a day. That's about an 800-year supply. I'm going to be here when that runs out. (laughs) That's amazing. It's an amazing resource. It really is. And we're we're working with a firm right now that's looking at uh, expansion, couple of them because of the water, and I think it's where the jobs will be created in this community over the next 10 years. It's the quality of it, not just the quantity. The, the quality from a manufacturing perspective, I'll give you an example. I think St. Jude that has medical filters in their labs. They cost $75,000 a piece. Most of them are changed once a year elsewhere. I've been told they're on their 10th year on the same filter at St. Jude. That's going, I'm telling you, it's all over. Uh, and we're just now starting to rise up and say, this is an asset and we got a strategy around it. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, the only credit I could take for that is I read that book and it said, what are your global job creating assets? And I said, wait a minute, and uh, so Again, it's leadership, gentlemen. Leadership. And as a believer in Jesus, I think you're called to leadership. I think you're called to this community. The time and the place is not an accident. You're here for a purpose. Ask God, what would you have me do? With whatever time you got left. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for for Jesus who loves us and who cares deeply about our own hearts, but also that it's not just all about us. It's about how would you... Have me follow You in this time and this place. Jesus, help give us wisdom. Give us insight. Call us to serve. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And please come get a... (laughs) Please come get your stop whining button.